throne of grace His gladness is our God is here in the midst It's all from our whole hearts as His church unite Yes, come all you weary, come all you thirsty Come to the well that never runs dry Drink of the water, come and thirst no more Cause I've been need
Come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting. God so loved the world. Amen. Yeah. The victory is yours, Lord. Jesus. Yes, he reigns forevermore. Yeah. We celebrate that in this place. And I raise a hallelujah In the presence of my enemies yeah, yeah. I raise a hallelujah Louder than the unbelief So cry at your church, Lord I raise a hallelujah
We're done with pretending, we're done with the hiding We're entering into the fullness of your grace, Jesus Father, would you help us grasp the fullness of your grace, God No matter how many times we fall, God, let us run back to you Run back to your love, run back to your mercy, run back to your grace We may never fully understand the measure of your grace, the measure of your love Why you would send your son for our redemption God, is our prayer that you would give us a taste. Is our prayer that we would be reminded of our need for you time and time again. No matter how much we fail, no matter how many times we fall. You love and maze, Jesus. You love and maze, Jesus. As we make it our promise to you, God. To always pursue you in worship, pursue you in praise, pursue you in prayer. Father, we seek relationship with you. Like a good father, you are there. We may skin our knees, but you are there with arms wide open, time and time again. This is the grace of our God. So Father, we celebrate your grace in this place. We worship you because you are worthy. We thank you for providing a sanctuary, a place of healing for all in your house. There's nothing like it. God, we worship you as your church. We take a stand and say we will praise you each and every day until we were united again. Lord, be glorified in this place. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. Isn't our God amazing? Well, hey, welcome to church today. It's a great place to be. Let's welcome each other as family. Turn to your neighbor and ask them how they're spending the remaining days of their summer. Yeah? Well, good morning, friends. It's great to see you. Some of you may remember that I used to attend church here at MRCC, and uh, it is really great to be back. I, I, I just want to thank everyone so much for your prayers. So many people expressed themselves to me and to us. And the wise among you let me know that they were praying more for my wife through this than me. <laughs> because uh, I'm not the greatest sick person to be around. But, um, but God is faithful, amen. And uh, I am honestly, seriously very grateful for your love and your prayers, for the faithfulness of the staff, for so many people stepping up in so many ways, and uh, and deeply appreciative of that. So thank you. Um, you know, it was no good, but now we're on the backside of it. Um, I, I do want to pray, though, because so many in our land and in our world are struggling, not just with this, but with a lot of things. And like you, um, gosh, my heart is for Haiti this morning and everything that's happening there. 
another massive earthquake, a hurricane hitting there next week. Uh, but also those kinds of storms happening inside of a lot of lives for a lot of reasons. And Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. So w would you pray with me this morning? Would you bow your heads with me? God, we remember that you said in your word that we could come boldly to your throne of grace. And we remember that you said that you would heal our land if we cried out to you in prayer. And, and so, Jesus, that's, that's what we do together this morning. We pray for so many who are facing so much. God, we ask that you would invade Haiti with your grace, Lord, that you would enable your church to rise up and serve, that you would save and rescue lives, that... Um, God, help would be able to, to rush into that situation. We think of, you know, 10 years ago, the last time this happened, 200,000 people died. God, we pray that that wouldn't be the case here. We lift that nation up to you. We lift our nation up to you, God. And, and the reality is that we are sick not only in body but in spirit. And there's only one cure for that, Lord, and it's your grace and your love and your gospel. And so we pray that you would bring peace and healing to our land. We pray that you would teach us as Christians to think first of our neighbor before we think of ourselves. And we pray that you would teach us as a, as a whole land to do that same thing, to think first of the other person, even before ourselves. We pray for that. God, um, we, we think of those who are still wrestling with that sickness, even in our body. And you are a healer. You are faithful. We look back over this last year and a half and so many times you have brought us uh, through this sickness. Lord, we pray for healing again for those who are sick today. And we pray that you would make us a people of prayer because that's the answer to this, Lord. So we cry out for our land in body and in soul. And finally, we pray this morning that as we open your word together, Jesus, that we would hear you. Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see what you are saying to us. We pray for that, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. I do have to uh, kind of apologize in advance and ask you to be patient uh, throughout the day. My voice isn't as strong yet. Uh, it hasn't come back quite yet, so the guys in back are turning up the mic a little bit. Um, and if you just drift off because my voice is too soft, just consider that a blessing um, uh, this morning. A couple of, couple of quick announcements um, to share with you before we open the word together. One of them is that our sister Grace, Grace, would you stand up just for a moment? I know she doesn't want to, but would you stand up for just a moment now? This morning is uh, Grace's last Sunday with us, at least for a while. Um, she was in the middle of her education at Azusa Pacific. Uh, she has been preparing to serve in bookkeeping and as uh, financial management uh, in churches. And she has done that for us for the last year and a half. She was only supposed to be a summer internship. COVID hit. She missed her junior year. She had to do it online. So she was able to stay with us an extra year. And she has been deeply and fruitfully involved in our youth ministry in our church's administration every day in the office, and our bookkeeping and our accounting and all of that. 
And she's headed back, though, for her senior year, which will be in person, which is a good thing, yeah. She's headed back uh, to Azusa after this week. So this is her last uh, Sunday with us, at least until next summer. Uh, We'll see what happens with that. Um, But she has been a huge blessing to our fellowship over the last year. Can we just appreciate her for that? Good deal. In second service, her parents will be with us. So in second service, we're going to bring her up and pray over her and all that. Um, But here in first and third, we just want to call her out and and express ourselves to you, Grace. You've been a blessing, huge blessing. Um, And we look forward to what might happen next summer. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Thank you for all that you've done. A couple of quick announcements, friends. One is that this Friday night at 7 o'clock, we have a worship on the lawn that will happen here. Uh, Just an evening of worship, uh, informal, uh, with the sunset. It'll start at 7 o'clock. That'll happen here at the church. Bring your lawn chair. Come on out and join us. The worship team will be leading. That'll happen this Friday night. The following Friday night is our next uh, church outdoor movie night. Uh, So a week from Friday. And again, you bring your lawn chair, your blanket, your kids... Uh, and we'll provide the sodas and snacks and stuff like that. And it's just a great fellowship time outdoors. That'll happen uh, a week from Friday, so be aware of that. Um, also, uh, the church picnic that we were planning for next week has been postponed. We'll get into more details on that. We'll bring that back around in September, but just be aware that that's actually not going to happen next Sunday. And then also, um, I-, I wonder if we can just take a moment... There's, there's so much that happens behind the scenes at our church, uh, all the time, people serving. And, and during these last couple of weeks, some, some guys in our church just took it upon themselves to come in and do all the painting of the new children's area out here. They did this on their own time during the day, uh, just, just to serve. And so can we kind of appreciate those guys who came in and did the painting? That's a big deal. Thank you. Huge uh, thanks for that. Grab your Bible, if you would, and open it to Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. And um, this Sunday is much better for me than the last two. The last two, I was home feeling sorry for myself, feeling like I was letting all of you down. And Rhonda says to me, no, they'd enjoy having a break once in a while. You know, it's good not to have you around. But it's, it's, uh, it's good to be back with you. Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. And um, let me ask you to remember a time in your life we all have had times like this. Can you remember a time in your life when you, when you really felt overwhelmed? Like, like what you were facing was too much? You didn't have all the answers? You couldn't see your way through uh, whatever circumstance or situation you were facing? Can you remember a time when you really felt overwhelmed? And what it was like to feel that? You know, when I... When I picture being overwhelmed, we have a little border collie dog, and her favorite thing is to catch the frisbee or the or the tennis ball, and she'll just do it till you're dead. And uh, you know, it's kind of funny to get two or three or four frisbees or tennis balls and throw them at her all at the same time. <laughs> she just absolutely locks up. She just loses it. She doesn't know what to do. Uh, you can just see that she's overwhelmed because there's too much coming at her. Can you remember a time in your life when you felt like that? There's lots of things that can make us feel overwhelmed. And one of them, sometimes, is God's call for us to grow up into Christ-likeness. That call is very real, but if we're honest, very often we feel overwhelmed by it. 
We see ourselves fall short in so many ways. And we hear the high call of our Lord and Savior. And we can feel overwhelmed. God has very high ambitions for you and me. He's not content to just have us hang out and be the same and sort of, you know, slack our way through life. The Bible's clear about this. Jesus said, Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. He says that to me. That's a high calling. Through the Apostle Peter, he says, 1 Peter chapter 1, Be holy, because I am holy. I, I, I could go on, but you get the idea. God has high ambitions for you and I. And if we deny that, then we have no fellowship with him. When we recognize that, we sometimes feel overwhelmed by it. He calls me and you not to defeat our enemies, but to love them. He calls us to forgive those who hurt us 70 times, seven times, many times it takes. He calls us to turn from sin. He calls us to be humble and to pursue humility as a goal. He calls us to worship him instead of our money or our success. He calls us to trust his promises right through the middle of tragedy. And, and I could go on. Once we start taking those things seriously, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. And very often, like our dog, what we do when we feel overwhelmed is we start to kind of shut down. You know, and the reality is, if, if, if you don't sometimes feel overwhelmed by the call of God, it's because you're not trying. It's because you're not listening. It's because you're just unwilling to face reality. I love what G.K. Chesterton said. He said, no man knows how great a sinner is, uh, how great a sinner he is, until he tries to stop being one. <laughs> That's when you really discover what's going on there. I remember the first time that somebody showed me how to make a paper airplane, though, and this is what Jesus is going to talk to us about, not paper airplanes, but this principle. And I saw that, I was a grade schooler, and I saw that paper airplane fly all over the room, and I remember sitting there and realizing for the first time that there were forces at play that you couldn't see but were very real, that turned that piece of paper when folded a certain way into a flying thing. I remember just being enchanted by that. And then, you know, like a lot of us making a million different kinds of paper airplanes for the next 60 years or so. Jesus wants you and I to know that there is an invisible power like the wind that is available to us and that it can do in us what we can't do for ourselves. He wants us to grasp that, to understand that. And in Mark chapter 4, he's going to call our attention to that powerful reality. Let's listen to him together. Mark chapter 4, uh, beginning there at verse 24. Jesus says this, Consider carefully what you hear. Boy, in this age of media, friends, we could spend hours just digressing on that passage. You don't have to listen to everything that's out there. Jesus says, Consider carefully what you hear. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. 
Whoever has will be given more. Mm. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken from him. What's Jesus talking about? He's talking about the fact that what we give our attention to either blesses us or makes us unaware of the possibility of blessing. What we choose to give our attention to has enormous power in our lives. What do you choose to give your attention to? Social media? Network news? Your neighbor's opinion? Your own opinion? Consider carefully, Jesus says, what you hear. And then to illustrate that, to explain what he's talking about, he says this. He said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Verse 24. A man scatters seed on the ground, and night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. You know, we live in an age when we tend to worship how. If we can figure out how a thing works, we feel like we have mastery, we have power over it. That can be a good thing, but what do you do when you can't figure out how a thing works? Jesus says, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he doesn't know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Listen to what Jesus is saying to us in this moment. He is saying there is a power in the world. And that power happens apart from our understanding of it, above and beyond our understanding of it. It is a power that can achieve what we think can't be achieved because our understanding is limited by our understanding. He wants us to grasp that the power of the gospel, the power of what Jesus is teaching, the power of the kingdom of God is beyond your understanding, which is a great thing, because what comes with that recognition is the hope when we can't figure out how a thing could happen. Let's break this down a little bit. First, the Lord says in verse 24 that there isn't a sort of neutral gear in the Christian faith. Think about that for a moment. Either I'm learning or I'm unlearning. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken from him. There's no middle ground. There's no fence. We're either walking with Christ and growing and learning or we're unlearning. That's what the Lord says to us right up front. It's kind of like taking flying lessons as a pilot. If you learn how to take off without learning how to land, you're in more trouble than you were before you started, even though you've learned a little. <laughs> Jesus is saying something like that. He's saying half a lesson is worse than no lessons at all. That's why the Lord says, consider carefully, Greg, what you hear. Over in Luke's Gospel, he puts it this way, Consider carefully how you listen. For whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken from him. You know, in membership class every spring and fall uh, in the 201, the second of the three classes, we talk about how we grow up in our Christian faith. And one of the things we emphasize is paying 
undivided attention to God's word every day, even if it's just for five, ten minutes. Stopping everything else and giving your attention fully to what God is saying in Christ. You know, if Jesus were here this morning teaching in this pulpit instead of me, first of all, we'd all enjoy that. But second of all, very few of us would be on our phones. Very few of us would be paying attention to our neighbor's grooming. (laughs) We would give our attention fully. And Jesus says, hey, when you look at your life, Give your attention fully to what I'm telling you a little bit every day. Not a divided thing. Uh, People like to say to me sometimes, I like to do my devotional in the car. I just turn on the radio and I get that while I'm driving down I-5. Well, you know what? That's not terrible. But it's also dangerous. Because you've got a lot of other things to pay attention to at the same time. And what will happen with that is that you, you, the way you're listening will affect what you understand. And the scary part of it is you... If you listen half-heartedly, you may think you understand and not even know you don't. That's what Jesus is talking about here. But as soon as he says that, Jesus teaches us something incredibly hopeful and encouraging. He says there is power in his words that doesn't depend on us or our understanding. Listen again. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. Independent of his efforts, 24 hours a day, the seed sprouts and grows, even though he doesn't know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, and then the full kernel in the head. Once the seed goes in, something starts to happen, independent of the ability, the power, the attention, or the understanding of the farmer. And God wants you to understand that about what his spirit is doing in you. This is what the kingdom of God is like. As you receive the seed because of its power, transformation occurs independent of your ability to understand or to perceive or or, or to sketch out. It just happens. Jesus is saying there is power in what I'm telling you far beyond anything else in the world. This is incredibly hopeful and encouraging. It means that when you can't see a way through, when you can't see how you could be transformed, when you can't see how the world could be transformed, when you can't see how your son or daughter or your mother or father or your neighbor or your coworker or your friend, when you can't see how they would be changed, they still can be because of the power of God's word. Yeah. And we're meant, see, see, Jesus lays this heavy challenge on us. Consider, hey, listen now, Greg, pay attention. Don't be screwing around here. Because the word that I'm giving you is powerful beyond your understanding. It can achieve in you what, what you may despair of being able to achieve in yourself. He says this in relation to something called the kingdom of God. Notice he says the kingdom of God is like. So it's important to remember what the kingdom is and isn't. The kingdom of God is not a nation. It's not a political state. It doesn't have borders. When Jesus was asked about the kingdom of God in Luke chapter 17, he said, the kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, here it is or there it is. Never get the kingdom of God confused with America or Israel or any other nation in the world. It's not a place. It's not a government. The kingdom of God is within you. 
And the word within also has the dual meaning of among. So when Jesus said this, he was speaking of what is happening inside of me and what is happening between me and you. The kingdom of God is within you. It's God's leadership in you. In Jesus' day, a kingdom was not defined by lines on a map. It was defined by wherever the king's influence went. And so if a king traveled from one part of the world to another part of the world, the language of the day would describe the kingdom as having moved with him because his power and influence went to a new place. It's within that context that Jesus speaks to us of the kingdom of God. So every time you make a decision out of faith in what Jesus says, in what God teaches, the kingdom happens. Happens in your kitchen, happens in your workplace, happens in your church, happens in your country. The kingdom of God is within you. It is God's work among us as a family of Christ followers. And then through us, it is God's work in the world. And Jesus is saying, friends, that the kingdom of God grows, please hear me, under its own power. It doesn't depend on how many votes we have or don't have. It doesn't depend on, on, on how wound up you get. It doesn't even depend on whether you're awake night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The kingdom grows. The kingdom of God is a thing of power beyond our understanding. It doesn't depend on anything you do or don't do other than receive it. And it works beyond the level of our understanding. Even when you don't think it's growing, it still is kind of like my belly as the years go on. Even when I don't think it's growing, it still is. You get the idea. And, and here's, the, here's the next important thing as we kind of move along here. Notice what Jesus emphasizes. This is really crucial. Notice what Jesus emphasizes. He says that the kingdom of God works by a process. It doesn't just happen in an instant. It doesn't just happen in, in a moment or an event. It happens by a process. Here's how Jesus put it. First the stalk, then the head, and then the full kernel in the head. It happens over time. Sometimes we're tempted to say to ourselves, you know what, Greg? You met Jesus almost 40 years ago. Why have you still not accomplished this or that or the other thing? Why haven't you still grown past this or that or the other thing? Jesus wants us to understand that what this power is doing in our lives occurs over time. It doesn't occur in an instant. You don't go to the altar one time on a Sunday and you're Superman. It occurs over time as you allow that seed to grow. All you really do is receive it. But then it transforms us over time. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel on the head. This matters a bunch because it means you don't have to understand it in order to experience it. You know, I've shared the story before, and forgive me for sharing it again, but when I became a believer as a young man, 20 years old, I had the foulest mouth you can imagine. <laughs> I spent time in the military, lived in barracks. I mean, everything was F this and F that all the time. And when I became a Christian, I despaired of that changing. How do I change that? Because all my instincts, all my natural inclinations was just to swear all the time. And I knew that wasn't God's will for me. God was very clear. His word is exquisitely clear about things like that. And I thought, oh, how is that ever going to happen? I don't know how I can do that. But as the months went by, it just happened. I just stopped. Was I operating an eight-part plan to conquer your tongue? No. 
Was I listening to Jesus every day? Yep. And it happened. The power of God took over. My son's 27 years old. He's never once in his life heard his dad use an obscenity. That's not because Greg's somebody. That's because the seed has grown by its power and transformed me. I could go on and on and give lots of illustrations. You could give illustrations of what I'm talking about. You say to yourself, man, my temper is a problem. God, what's the four-point plan to conquer my temper? There isn't one. What God says is, you, you let the seed of my word fall into your life every day, and I will transform you in ways you can't even imagine. That's what Jesus wants you to grasp. Because you look in the mirror sometimes and you're overwhelmed. You're like, I am not making the progress I should. God says, I'm at work in you. You're regardless of your ability. My power is there. This is so important to grasp. Some of us wrestle with habits and behaviors and, and we despair of overcoming them because we can't see how we overcome them. Jesus says, you don't have to see how. Just let the seed fall into your life. Here's what we tend to do. I don't see how, and then we don't let the seed fall into our lives, and then we say, well, why isn't it happening? <laughs> well, that's just because your, your heart is hard. It's just because the soil, the seed's falling on its heart. Let it fall in. Consider carefully how you listen. Ten minutes a day, God will radically transform you and your world. That's what Jesus wants us to grasp in this moment when I was really getting into motorcycle riding um, as a young man, it was a little scary. There was a, a, a bottom motorcycle. I gave up my car, and so now I'm living on this bike year-round. And, and the first time you get out on the freeway on a motorcycle, the first few times, and you go really fast, I mean, it's scary. It's intimidating. The pavement's right there. You're going fast. you got no protection. The bike feels you know, like it could tip, tilt. That You're not in a car. There's no seatbelt. And it's kind of a scary thing, but, but what happens as you begin to ride more and more is you discover that there's a principle at work in a motorcycle that, that you wouldn't guess. Those wheels, the faster they turn, produce more and more centrifugal force. And when you're going 90 miles an hour, oh, did I? No, I, I never went 90 miles an hour. When you're going, no, I'm kidding. When you're going down the freeway fast, those wheels are producing a ton of centrifugal force. And that bike is way more stable than you think it is. When I first started riding, you know, if there was something in the road, a, a piece of an old tire or a pothole or whatever, oh, i got to dodge it. After a while, it's like, you just go right over it. Because you understand there's so much force in the wheel. Matter of fact, after I had been riding for a while, I don't recommend this, but after I had been riding for a while, I had automatic throttle on, on my motorcycle, and you know, you'd be going 80 miles an hour with one finger growing down the freeway. Why? Because the centrifugal force is so great that, that it stabilizes them. God wants you to know that there is a powerful centrifugal force in Jesus' words. And if you will just receive them, if we will just hear them, that power stabilizes everything in our lives. Now this isn't the kind of thing you can think through. It's the kind of thing you can only experience. That's why James says in chapter 1, verse 22, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Allow yourself to experience it. You know, if I can share another story with you, when I was a kid growing up, we went to the races a lot, drag races, uh, stock car races uh, down in Eugene, Oregon, where I grew up. And, and one night we went to the stock car races when I was a kid and, and, and uh, I won a raffle. And the, the, the raffle was about halfway through the evening. And what you got to do was pick one of the race cars and go down and get inside and take a couple laps with the driver. 
Now, when you're like 10 years old, this is the greatest thing ever, right? And so I got to go down and pick the car that I wanted, and I got inside with this driver, you know, and uh, we started to go around the track, and he was going, you know, driving slow and careful, and then big guy, and he he looked over his shoulder at me with a big grin. He says, do you want to go fast? I was like, yeah, I want to go fast, you know? And then he just took off, and we went around that track a couple times really fast. And then we stopped and got out, and my mom was white as a sheet, you know, at that point. But, but you know what I found out afterwards was there were four of us who won the raffles, and all the drivers asked if they wanted to go fast, and I was the only one who said yes. The other one said no. And so I was the only one who afterwards understood how much power and control that driver actually had. Jesus wants you to experience his power. And it happens as you receive his word. As that word falls on your heart day in and day out, the power is something you begin to experience. You know, let him teach you about your finances and you will experience his power. Let him teach you about your tongue and you will experience his power. Let him teach you what matters to God and what doesn't and you will experience his power. The Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. We're almost done. To emphasize this, the Lord goes on and says this, verses 30 to 32 of Mark chapter 4. This is where we're kind of homestretch here. Again, he said, remember, same context, talking about the same ideas. Consider carefully how you listen. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like, or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the garden, but when you plant it, it grows and becomes the largest of garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. So there's a part of us that says, man, if I just take 10 minutes a day to listen to Jesus, how can that make such a huge difference in my life? We think like that, Because we're focused on the how. See, we say how, as if our understanding of technique is the key. But Jesus is saying, no, it's not technique, it's power. It's power. And and this listening to Jesus 10 minutes a day seems like a small thing. But in fact, it is the greatest and most powerful of things. It seems like an irrelevant, tiny little thing. But in fact, it changes everything every part of who we are. Lots of people give up on being transformed. They give up on the high call of God in Christ because they can't see how it can happen and they become discouraged. They're too hurt, too traumatized, too sunk in addiction or feelings of powerlessness uh, or their lust or their compulsive lying or whatever it is to believe that they can be changed. Jesus offers this teaching so that we would be immune to that kind of discouragement, so that we would understand that his power can do not only in us as individuals, but in us as a community, in us as a country, way more than we think is possible. Uh, Listen, friends, I, I can't stand here and explain how this works any more than you can explain why you love your kids or how gravity bends time or why you get all choked up when somebody else gets all choked up. But it's real because we are spirits, we are souls, we are eternal. So the Bible says, and here's where we finish this morning, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word transformed is the Greek word morpheo from which we get the English word metamorphosis. Turn from a caterpillar into a butterfly. 
by allowing this powerful seed to fall on your mind and heart. The power of the seed resides in it. It doesn't depend on you, your understanding, your ability, your strength. It depends on you only receiving it. So how do we do that? Let's finish. Last five minutes together. Number one, it's simple. Receive the word daily. Receive Jesus' words daily. Let the seed fall on your heart. Again, five, ten minutes a day of focused attention is enough. Is enough. Jesus said, man does you and me do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's what gives us life in the part of us that matters most. So receive that word daily. Number two, ask God to meet you in it. Ask God to meet you in it. The, the point of reading the Bible is not to total up check marks on a list you keep somewhere that says you did X number of things for Y numbers of days. That's, that's not the point. The point is to hear God. So when you take those five or ten minutes a day, say, God, meet me in this. Help me hear you in this. Speak to my heart. Every Bible study moment begins with a moment of prayer. Ask God to meet you. And, and, and then third, listen vulnerably. Philip Spencer writes this. He says, many readers of the Bible do harm to themselves because they don't read to know God, but to prove themselves religious or to get knowledge as a scientist studies an insect. Such people love difficult passages and ignore simple ones because their real aim is to make a show in front of others. But a child is not served by mastering her parents. She is served by being mastered. So read the word of God humbly, vulnerably. God, speak to me. Show me my heart. Change me. Transform me. Grow me. Listen vulnerably. This is why the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Let it read vulnerably. And then number four, almost done. Meditate on what you're reading. Meditate on scripture. Don't hurry, go slow. Like your mom used to say, chew your food before you swallow it. A few verses read slowly and meditated on are much more powerful than many read in a hurry. Sometimes our aim is just to get things done. And when it comes to the spirit, that doesn't work. To meditate on God's word is to digest it and to receive it and to profit by it. And then finally, the last one is to ignore your moods. (laughs) Ignore your moods. Your moods are not the truth about you or your situation, or the world around you. We tend to believe that our feeling, we tend to believe in our feelings more than we believe anything else. And so we think there's no power when there's no feeling. But Jesus said the opposite is the case. Night or day, whether he sleeps or gets up, whether he's out in the field or not out in the field, the seed's power is so great that it grows apart from all those other things, regardless of your mood. Jesus said the word of God works far beyond our moods. Listen to him again. We're almost done. A man scatters seed in night and day. 
Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows so he doesn't know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. What Jesus wants us to understand this morning, friends, is that the power of his word is so great that we need never despair over ourselves, over our situation, over our country, over our circumstances. We need never despair. Instead, he wants us to understand that when we let that powerful seed fall on us, all by itself, it does its thing. All by itself. Maybe this morning, you're really wrestling with your lust or your temper or your tongue or your fears, your anxieties. Whatever it is, know this. Jesus says, hey, it's not how, about you figuring it out, but allowing the power of what I'm saying to fall into the field of your heart. That will bring the transformation you're hungry for. All your techniques in figuring things out, those things have limits. The Word of God doesn't. What Jesus is saying is where the power is. And He wants you and me to know that and to feel that. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? God, we thank You for Your Word today. We thank You for the power that's in it. God, not in us, but in Your Word. God, teach us to put our trust and our hope there in in hearing from you day in and day out. God, help us to know that that's how the kingdom of God happens in us. And that's how the kingdom of God happens in the world. So Lord, bring our focus back to that simple reality. The world says that putting a seed that small in the ground makes no difference. You say it makes all the difference. God, help us to hear that. Send us from here full of hope because the power of your word will metamorphose us. It will transform us. All we have to do is receive it. We pray for that. And we ask it this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me, friends? One of the best books I ever read is a little book by Max Lucado called It's Not About You. That's what Jesus is actually saying here. Hey, it doesn't depend on you. Just receive my word. Its power is limitless. Now may the love of God the Father and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit go with you throughout this week. Go with God. Tell someone you love them. Have a great afternoon, friends.
red rocks. Let's activate our faith tonight. We sing, I see joy rising. I hear hope calling. Come on. 